0: I'll tell you a little history behind that. I was 30 years old when I created 55 Retire, thinking I would be retiring at age 55. And now that I've blown past that age, my friends are all telling me I must have not been successful in what I was doing. I say, no, I enjoy it more than ever now. And the reason I'm still doing it is because I love it.
1: What is going on, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness on your way to having more. You don't have to wait until you so-called get there or make it. (laughs) Anyhow, today we're talking about so many amazing things, but primarily the focus today is financial literacy just nationwide and all over the world, financial illiteracy is one of the biggest problems that our community has, and it has been for many, many years. Now, I'm by far no expert. That's why I have conversations with people like Mark and others who know and understand the finances that we need to live a long, very prosperous life at whatever level it is that that means for you but not run out of money, not run out of funds, and actually increase funds for future generations. So if you're ready to get into this, I certainly am. Now, if you're brand new to Men of Abundance, this is your first time discovering us, then welcome. You are in for a treat. There are so many amazing conversations here about family, faith, finances, and fitness, health, health, just living a life of abundance and whatever that means to you and then somehow paying it forward to your community. Speaking of paying it forward, one way you can do that right now is take a screenshot of your phone if you're listening to this on your phone. Take a picture of your computer. However it is that you're listening to this, take a screenshot, share it on social media. Tell everybody, I'm enhancing my mindset by listening to Men of Abundance right now on Whatever podcast player it is that you're listening to this on right now, or if you're watching it on YouTube, this actually goes on to YouTube as well. It automatically goes on to Facebook as well. So wherever you're listening to this, just hit the share button and share it out with others because when you share this with others, they will find it and they will most definitely want to thank whoever it is that shared it. And if that happens to be you, it's a wonderful feeling to be able to share something of value with other people. And I assure you, these are very valuable conversations that have been downloaded in over 100 countries at this point, absolutely blows my mind. I thank you for it and those people who find this episode and others will thank you for it as well. And before I introduce our future guests, I wanna let you know that I have a special treat for you. Halfway through the conversation, I take a short break and I share something with you specifically if you're in transition or in the process of changing careers. So be sure to listen to this entire conversation, one, because it's a very powerful subject matter that we're talking about today, and our special guest really brings it. But two, I want to make sure that you get that special announcement specifically, maybe for you or somebody that you know. Now today's topic is extremely important because as an abundant leader, it is your responsibility to ensure that your family is taken care of, not just in the good times, but also in the not-so-great times. And especially once you're gone, I can tell you multiple stories and I'm sure you've heard the stories as well or maybe even experienced the stories of the breadwinner of the family passing on and having no insurance in place, having no retirement funds in place, having nothing in place for the family to continue that lifestyle that he or she created throughout the course of their life and throughout the course of that family. And it's absolutely drastic to see and it can be prevented. Preventing such a strategy starts with having this kind of conversation that we're going to have today. And the fact is, one of the reasons why having a conversation around money is so uncomfortable is because few people know and understand money. Few people know and understand financials and retirement and investing and insurance and all of these other kind of things. But hiding from the conversation does not make it better. So make sure you listen to this conversation and have these conversations in your household, with your spouse, even with your kids and other family members. More importantly, have these conversations with trained professionals who can help you in each of these categories. Now, let me introduce our featured guest today. As president of Safe Harbor Retirement Planning, Mark has served as a relentless Retirement Guide to Thousands of Individuals Since 1986. The secret to his longevity has been asking the questions other advisors simply don't ask. It allows him to make the best decisions for each client's unique situation and ensure retirement success. Mark is a former radio talk show host, is an author, and has become the go-to financial educator in the media. His most recent book, Don't Outlive Your Money, in retirement, Seven Key Steps unveils the step-by-step process used to help maximize the retirement journey. Mark has been featured on the Wall Street Journal, abcnews.com, foxnews.com, and Bloomberg Radio. He is also a multi-year recipient of Boston Magazine's Star Wealth Manager Award. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Mark Singer. Mark, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Wally? I'm um, excellent. Where are you at in the world? I am up in Beantown, up in Boston. Bean Town, <laughs> Boston baked beans. I used to love yes, them. Yes, sir. I used to eat those like they were going out of style, man. Did they ever go out of style? I don't know if they did or not.
0: Uh, in, in my house, they did. It was never a favorite <laughs> in my house, but I'm sure a
1: lot of people are eating them. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, there used to be. There was a time when I used to consume a whole lot of them, man. That was crazy. Um, funny funny, funny. Um, so, you know, I like to start out with an attitude of gratitude, man. What do you have to be grateful for today, Mark? You
0: know, it, it's funny as we've been living through this pandemic, you know, since March and all the lockdowns and all the things that have happened, you, you sort of get back to grassroots and what really matters. And to be honest with you, and it may sound so trite, I'm just glad I am who I am, where I am and what I do you know, that my family is well, Um, you know, you just get back down to the basics. You know, who knew that in the financial services business, we would be one of the businesses that would, you know, not be hurt by this pandemic, right? Because I've got a lot of friends Mm -hmm. who have businesses that have been impacted dramatically. But I guess I was very fortunate to be in the place that I'm in. You know, it hasn't impacted me fortunately financially, my family, my daughter, my granddaughter, everybody's well. My granddaughter's on top of the world, which makes me on top of the world. You know, it it, it just seems to be all good. And, and, and I, I feel a lot of gratitude for that.
1: Wow, yeah, absolutely. I 100%, um, I, I dig that and I'm glad for you. I'm very happy for you. My family and I are in the same situation. A lot of things were put in place. Um, years ago quite frankly that set us up so that during this time this last year not only have we i can say we really haven't been hasn't affected our lifestyle too much other than the fact that one of the reasons why i moved to tampa florida so i could go to disney world and 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 uh universal studios and the parks as much as we possibly wanted to How's that um, working out? <laughs> well, as soon as as soon as soon they opened up, Universal did very well. And we've yep. been to Universal several times since, you know, the summertime. Yep. But Disney just didn't get it right, man. And uh, so we pulled our annual passes from Disney. Uh, but, you know, other things came about and it, it worked out for us. But by and large, we, we can't complain. We really can't. I mean, my, my business that I was kind of doing as a hobby, if you will, Um, just helping people out turned into a full-fledged business. And we're fortunate that both of us were already at home uh, and not having to work because we've set ourselves up financially and set up our, not just that, but honestly, we're gonna get into this later, but we set up our lifestyle so that we could live the way that we live and not have to work for anybody else. And we were fortunate. And we're also fortunate that we moved from Hawaii to uh, Tampa, to Florida, three years ago because Hawaii's not in a good place right now from our friends that are there. They're not as that, you know, some of the beaches are just now opening up and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just different. And we're very fortunate as well.
0: And, 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 you know, as we had mentioned before, we started taping this, you're very fortunate to have my quarterback down there for your football team. So um, good, good luck to you all.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah. People are definitely loving that. There's no doubt about it. And thank you. So, you know, um, here on Men of Abundance, as we talked about inner bio, you know, your stuff you're doing professionally, and we're going to dig more into that for sure, and how you're paying it forward professionally, and personally, for that matter. But here on Men of Abundance, we really like to get to know the man behind the abundance. So if you would, how would you describe yourself?
0: Um, Upbeat, enthusiastic love to educate people. I found that, um, if you will, teaching is something that I really have enjoyed. Um, I, I did that with my daughter. I, I was a coach for her soccer team for a number of years. Even after she decided to drop out, I was still coaching. She actually said to me, but Papa, you, you, you can't coach if I'm not playing. I said, watch me. I said, uh, so I continued to coach the soccer. I coached the basketball. Um, even when I stopped coaching basketball and she went to another school, I was there just to be for, uh, you know, available for her coaches, just to assist in their practices. I just enjoyed that. I enjoyed having the kids around. I enjoyed making their lives better. Um, and I find that now in my professional chapter of life that I really do enjoy that probably more than anything else, other than learning from others, if you will. And that just comes with the conversations we have, you know, with clients and and friends. But, you know, I, I love the um, engaging people and helping them and guiding them in their lives.
1: Yeah. And thank you for doing that. That is, um, we need a lot. Uh, you know, I say we need a lot more of that. And that's what I was going to say. But, you know, part of the reason why I started this whole conversation with Men of Abundance was to lift up and, and bring people like you to the front of the room. Because oftentimes people doing what you do and people in our community, they're somewhere in the back and nobody's really paying attention to what they're doing and they're doing amazing things and they're not tooting their own horn. So that's what I'm here for to toot your horn for you and show you and show others that there are more amazing people in the world then the few that you see on the news every single day, you know, every week, if, if you're one that watches the news on a regular basis, I've given that up quite some time ago. <laughs> I used you know, to it, literally sit in an office all day and watch CNN on a loop all yeah. day long. And I'll tell you, you become so cynical, especially yeah. when you're in the medical field and dealing with people out in, out in the streets all day. You get very cynical very quickly.
0: You know, I want to go back to something you just said, Wally, which was, you know, you know, we don't toot our horn. And but I think it's even beyond that, because I have conversations with my friends about this. We as an educator, if you will, as a teacher, I I, sometimes I take that for granted. I don't understand truly the impact that we make on people's lives Mm -hmm. until they turn around and tell us or until I go on a podcast like that. And they go, oh, gosh, I wish you would be telling more people like this. So it's really great, you know, for those of us who don't, you know, don't, you know, just put ourselves out there and say, hey, listen to me, listen to me. We just do what we do. And I I love the fact that we sometimes, it's not often, um, but when we do get that piece of feedback, when we do get that information back of how much of an impact we've made on somebody's lives, it's so rewarding to us as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes, Uh, speaking into the mic and usually is talking with somebody else. But even when I'm doing it on my own or doing some live video, you're you're wondering, is anybody out there listening? And then every once in a while, you get that email or that feedback one way or another. And you're like, yes, I can go on another week. (laughs) You know, you know, and and, you know, sometimes
0: you think about you know, you you have to give at a level, and you know, whether it's personally or wisdom or financially, to such a degree that oh my gosh, if I can't help a million people, I can't do anything. Well, mm. the reality is, if you just do it one at a time, you know, then you're making a big big impact for that one person, and that's really important and impactful.
1: Yeah, absolutely, that's a big big issue that a lot of people have is they try to you know there's this whole adage about go big or go home but you know what sometimes when you go big and you don't reach those goals you don't reach that million people and you've only got two or three likes on your post that you're trying to educate people online or whatever it is that you're trying to do you're just not getting the engagement that's a million people you quit and I see it all the time and it's like well consider look back at the folks that you did help though look at the impact. And oh, by the way, by helping that one, that grows out. You know, they're touching other people too. You're helping a family. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for bringing that up because it is a very good point, especially this time of year when people are still kind of excited about their new year's goals and their new year's resolutions. They're getting about to the point to where they're going to start evaluating that and realize they're not where they wanted to be and they're going to give up. And it takes those small incremental improvements uh, and those small wins, and celebrating those those uh, key um, um, benchmarks uh, along the way that will keep you going, right? right? Right. And especially in the financial world, I mean, goodness, you know, the small little incremental improvements um, compound over time. Well, it's funny
0: because I remember taking a coaching class many years ago, and.
1: You know, we do sit
0: back and say, oh gosh, I have to double the business or triple the sales or, you know, you know 50% more on profits or whatever the, the, the numbers are. But the reality is if all you did was just increased a few of the line items by two or three or four or 5%, that that compound effect over time will get you to where you need to be and, and, and keep you in the process rather than just hunting for elephants and going for that big goal and forgetting about how to get from point A to point B to point C. And that's not just, you know, a a reflection on how we need to, as successful business owners, look at our business models. But also when it comes to retirement planning as well or financial planning, you know, really be present, really get a sense of where you are and where you want to get to um, and do it step by step. You know, how do you eat an elephant? Just one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, sometimes it comes, becomes so daunting and, and just too much that you say, stop, I, I, I can't do it. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. Um, mm-hmm. So really start small, um, you know, again, whether it's your own business model or personal life or financial um, uh, life, you know, taking those small steps will get you to where you need to be.
1: Absolutely. And now you're speaking my language because that's a very key point. And the model, as far as business is concerned, and just three, like you said, three to 5% improvements in key areas, whether it's lead generation, conversions, your profits, your, um, you know, what you're spending the whole bit, just three to 5% improvements in each of those can compound and and have a 50% improvement in your business rather quickly. But you, well, so you don't have to do a 50% improvement. You just need those little 3% improvements in key areas.
0: So I've been in this business 32 years now. And no, I didn't start when I was 13. Um, <laughs> but I think the greatest lesson that I've learned, and I learned it early on, I had a number of clients who were working for the major organizations, the Fortune 500s, and you know they were contributing to their 401ks, and these weren't what, if you were to look on, you know, Forbes magazine as quote unquote wealthy people, you know, they didn't have millions of dollars. However, as a result of putting away 5 and $10 a week or $50 to $100 a month and working in the organization for 30 or 35 years, they ended up with money. They ended up with 4 5 800,000 a million you know whatever the number was but for them it was enough money that had been accumulated and compounded over that time frame that it was enough to create the financial independence that they were looking for and the reality was the success was in the overall journey of disciplining themselves or having a system in place to have disciplined the 401k contributions, so that they could put very small numbers away each and every period and have it grow over long periods of time towards their desired goal, which was to have a successful retirement. If you had said to them, you need $800,000 in order to retire when you're 25 years old, you go, I give up. But yeah. If you told them, if you put $12 a week away or $100 a month away and you got X percent return, it could grow to Y, that's something that we can do when we can wrap our heads around. And I, I honestly believe that's where some place that our industry has done a very, very bad job of educating people because they're so focused on that big number. They don't tell how, to people, how people to get to that big number. Mm -hmm. So it's all in the discipline and in the the behavior.
1: Well, that's a good point. And and I'm going to go off script here a little bit because I want to dig deeper into this right now while it's still in my my head and we're having this conversation. As far as the education piece, and I'm going to speak from my personal experience because, you know, when I started my working life, you know, many years ago, and I could have been disciplined to do that if somebody had sat me down, which nobody did. I didn't have anybody in my family. I had nobody in my on my side as far as that's concerned to sit me down and have that conversation with me. But even if they had, the part that I'm sure would have been missing was about my lifestyle. Because my lifestyle is in such that I would have done something to where I would have had to, or at least felt I had to, pull out of my investment to pay for whatever it is that I was doing or wanting to do as opposed you know, so my question to you is in your education piece, or do you have you ever seen where they're talking about, look, you have to understand where you're at today and your lifestyle and where you want to be. And you don't have to lack, but you do have to consider taking some, making some sacrifice for years later. Thoughts on that? So
0: I, I've had the opportunity and privilege to speak nationally, Uh, for the past eight to 10 years on the topic of financial awareness, financial literacy, financial education. And I think that, again, one of the things that our industry in general, the financial services industry, has done wrong is have such a focus on the end game, which is retirement. Everything you should be doing today needs to be towards uh, accumulating the biggest nest egg you can for retirement. Well, wrong. That's just wrong. And we have to understand where we are, what our circumstances are, what our priorities are, and and, and draft the outline in terms of items and timelines that we need to address. For instance, one of the things I talk to people on my webinars now, because we no longer travel to go to conferences, but on the webinars, um, and I talk to a lot of 20 and 30 and 40 year olds, you know, and you know yes oh my goodness if you if you could only start early enough that you could have the impact of compounding over many many years you'd be in a better place for retirement but what if you have some cash flow issues right now what if you were behind in terms of credit card debt and what if you've accumulated i mean the national average is $30,000 for for student loan debt but you know unfortunately For better or for worse, I've got stories of my kid and step kids where that number is upwards of 100 to $120,000. How do you navigate where you are versus where you wanna be and go step-by-step to get there? And my advice, which would go counter to just about everybody in my industry, would be you really need to free up cash flow. you really need to unburden yourself from the stress that you're feeling right now. Because if you feel stress on a a day-to-day basis, which is the number one concern people have on a short-term basis, their cash flow issues, Mm -hmm. that cash flow issue is going to maintain itself with you for the rest of your life and will impact your retirement. But if we could focus on relieving your, your cash flow problem now, well, maybe one of the things you need to do is stop contributing to your 401k. Maybe what you need to do is stop putting into your retirement and agree with yourself or your spouse. For the next two years, we're going to pay down that, cap, that, that debt on a credit card. We're gonna pay down that student loan as much as you can. And in two years, we will then reevaluate where we are. So I think that recognizing that there is a journey, not just an end, We have to figure out, because the answer isn't the same for everybody. Some people, you know, some people don't have obligations in their 20s. So it's easy to put money away. Uh, You know, we show those numbers. I mean, they're they're spectacular. But Mm -hmm. some have a different situation. And again, don't have an income that's enough to overcome the debt or the student loans or have kids earlier, whatever it is. We have to recognize the human being in this whole structure and then help them out with the finances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just to build on that just a little bit more, I also believe because based on my own um, situation at this point in time, when I tell people that I'm financially and time free and have been for at least the last two years, almost three years, I have to continue with that conversation with, that doesn't mean to say that I'm a millionaire. I just set my lifestyle up in such a way that my cars are paid off. We have no debt. We have, you know, cash flow for the rest of my life because I'm retired uh, military and my, you know, benefits from the VA and stuff like that. And plus, I have other income that I've developed and built over the course of time. You know, so I, I'm set. But it's hard to have that conversation with my 20-year-old self. <laughs> who who right. wanted the private jet and, you know, to live on islands, which I have lived on islands uh, around the world, but, you know, who want to own an island, let's say, you know, like Tony Robbins or somebody like that. That's my 20 year old self. You couldn't have the conversation of my lifestyle today then because I'm living my lifestyle the way I want to live, but it's not because I'm extremely wealthy. It's because of my lifestyle, the way we've set ourselves up.
0: Right. And, you know, you talk about your 20-something self. It was. It was uh, I'll address that in a couple of different ways. Um, the industry, and I don't know how far the technology has gone or how prevalent it is, but if, just a couple of years ago, um, one of the big uh, brokerage houses was creating technology to um, show you, if you're 30 years old, who you are when you're 65, to, to be able to give you facial recognition that, okay, now this is me. Because one of the problems is if, if, if I give up the money today, how's it going to impact me today? And who am I actually benefiting tomorrow? Well, if you can say that th- that's me, you know that's what I'm going to be looking like at 65, then maybe it'll free you up a little bit more to put money away because you're actually benefiting yourself, right? Because you don't know who that person is. But the other side of that is, I was 27 years old when I hired a financial planner. I had no money. And my goal with hiring the financial planner was just to find out those things I I didn't even know that I didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. To put me on track, to understand what the questions should be asked, what some of the answers are, put me on track and now that I'm 32 years in, that, in this business now, I look back and say, that was the best money and the best time that I ever spent and reinvested into myself, because without that, I probably do not have the financial security that I enjoy at this time.
1: Hmm. Good for you and very smart of you to do that. Let's see if we can get back on track. Um, And we're going to revisit this in the conversation as well. But one of the conversations that I like to have is, and a lot of people have this this kick in the gut moment around the financial uh, part of their life, Uh, but that's not always the case. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but if you could share with us a kick in the gut moment that really took you to your knees, and then we're going to unpack that a little bit and see what you learned from it.
0: I think I can give you two. I mean, I've been been in this business for 32 years, so I've seen a lot. Um, I think when we go back to, you know, um, 2008 and and you saw the markets crater as they did, um, that was a kick in the gut at a number of different levels where, you know, uh, my business model is such that we get paid based on How much, how many assets we're we're managing. It's called the assets under management. You know, if you do well, we do well. If you don't do so well, we don't do so well. So we're on the same side of the table as you are. If we can help you grow the money, we all, it's a win win. But at that moment, when the market was down 47% from top to bottom, that was a kick in the gut for me financially. That was a kick in the gut potentially for my relationships with my clients. And I had to learn at that moment, because we I had never been in that business you know uh, and seen that, how to respond and how to react and what was important. And I remember there was a study that came out from our industry soon thereafter that said the typical broker or advisor didn't get in touch with their clients after that for months. We increased the frequency of our communications and we were calling our clients. We called our A clients three times over the next three weeks, literally every single one of them. How are you doing? What's happening? And at that moment, it was more about how they were personally than they were financially. You know, how are things going on? So it helped to inform me what was important at the time and as much at the time when I, and I wasn't financially secure. So that, that, that impact to me and my business was dramatic, but it made me focus on what was truly important, which were the relationship and the fact that, oh, by the way, we will recover, okay? And that was part of the message we had to, we had to share with our clients. The other part of that story, which is very interesting, and it speaks to more me, than anything else. At the same time, I was visiting my daughter who was spending her semester abroad in Barcelona. And we took the opportunity to not just go to Barcelona, but we started in Portugal. We went to various places in Spain and instead of spending just two or three days with her, we took two weeks and we, we visited all sorts of places. And one day I happened to be at the base, I'll never, ever, ever forget this, at the base of the rock of Gibraltar. And I actually had my cell phone with me and I am on the phone with a client of mine in the midst of this debacle and the whole world is crumbling and the markets are going south. And my client says to me, how dare you not be in your office when this is happening? And I went, what, Are 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 we on the phone right now? am I talking with you right now? He said, yes. I said, what what do you possibly think I could have done if I was behind my office and I'm on my phone in my office versus being here in Spain on my phone? And what it told me was that, and that was the first time I had one of my clients who was worth more than a million dollars at the time, that I didn't want that relationship. I didn't need that type of conversation as I'm trying to help people and they are judging me when they're feeling pain. I didn't put that pain on you. And by the way, I'm here to help you, even in the time when maybe I should be on vacation. So I, I started to take a real hard look at the types of relationships that I had within the business model and realized that I really just wanted to work with people that it was a joy to work with. You know, my goal, my goal is really to be impactful for people, make a significant value at difference in their lives, but I also need to enjoy the journey. And so th- that's something that I learned during that time.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I totally agree with that. <laughs> it was a valid question back, Adam. You know, what, what were you gonna do any different? Right, right. I wasn't gonna
0: stop it if I was in my office, right? And the exactly. funny, funny part was, and uh, so we were at dinner the night before uh, we had that conversation before the world cratered. And I'm having, um, you know, uh, dinner in Sevilla, Spain. I'll never forget it with a guy who's from Germany telling me that he feels that the banks over there are going to crater. And I said, Ah, oh, that'll never happen. And the next day, everything was done and gone. And I went,
1: oops. I <laughs> never, <laughs> I know. I I never know. Say, very much never say never. <laughs> Absolutely. It's interesting in bringing it into today with what's going on with the lockdowns and everything. Um, I was in a mastermind group with several other business strategists and the question came up, you know, how do you feel about, I'm paraphrasing, but how do you feel about charging people uh, for your services with everything that's going on with so many people suffering right now? And my comment was, and it was others agreed with the comment and actually echoed it, is that, you know, there's always, there's always people suffering in the world. That's never changed. And quite frankly, even with everything going on right now today, even at the at the peak of it, and I don't think we're, you know, we're beyond the peak of it at this point, hopefully. um, There, there were still people that were actually faring better than prior to March in many industries. My industry for one, it was doing, I was kind of playing around with the idea and working with a few clients, but got super busy come May, June, July. Because at that point, up until that point, businesses thought having a business consultant and a coach and somebody who knew more about business than them was a luxury. Now it's a necessity. They're seeing, some of them are smart enough to see that now. And the, the ROI is there. So it was doing much better for me, and I recognize that other industries aren't doing as well, but some, even in the restaurant industry, had innovated in such a way that they've actually completely pivoted their business and doing much better. So my point being, there's always suffering going on in the world, and you you should go on with your life and do what you do and not feel guilty about doing it, even if you're doing it from Spain or doing it from your office.
0: So uh, let's take that pandemic issue and, and the realities of that one step further, particularly within the retirement planning business. So it's very interesting. One of you know The biggest fear the studies say with regards to retirement is the fear of running out of money, right? We're living longer, we're living better. Will I have enough money to retire? You know, AARP says that the majority of people who are going to be facing their normal retirement age will defer their retirements till later. And the number one reason why is because they don't have enough money. Well, the conversations we have with our clients is even more than that, because if you delve even deeper beyond the typical financial jargon, financial industry conversation just about money, the one of the biggest fears is What do I do with the rest of my life? How am I going to fill it? How am I going to have a rewarding life, a fulfilling life? And what happened during the pandemic was, and the lockdowns, was a look into, if you are closing in on retirement, what retirement might look like for you. You no longer have an office to go to. You're now home 24-7 with your lovely spouse who really only signed up with you for lunch, not for life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there was a real reality check. And the interesting part about that was that it, it was the compelling thought in my head that started me along my journey of writing my fourth book, which was, you know, don't outlive your money in retirement. And I started out by talking about what is retirement really going to look like? And now that people are looking at it square in the face... And realizing it's more than just the money. How do we work with it? How do we plan for it? How do we take that fear off? Oftentimes, when he retires, she goes out and goes to work. I don't want to be with him all my life. Funny story: I got a client. They're in their seventies, both of them. They're going to retire this year. I said, "I said, so what's you know what, what keeps you up at night? What are your concerns?" He says, "Well." You know, I like to play golf, but I can only play like three days a week. I I don't know what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life. And I turned to her, who's also retiring this year. I said to her, I said, So what what keeps you up at night? She says, I don't know what I'm gonna do with him. So we really have to understand, it. it's part of the conversations we have with our clients, it's much, you know, it's more about the psychology and the emotions and the, 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 the way we lead our life and our journey when you transition into retirement than it is about money. Because mm-hmm. you have enough money, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a successful retirement outcome. It just means you have enough money. So we spend a lot of time with our clients talking about both sides. And to be honest with you, if we have an hour's conversation with our clients, five minutes is about money management. And the other 55 is about life because that's what really drives us. That's what really gives us you know, the joy of the journey.
1: And that's very true. And that's my personal experience as well because for all intents and purposes, I retired two and a half, almost three years ago. And then my wife went to work. She never had to work. You know, We set up our lifestyle so that she didn't have to work. She would go because she wanted to. Um, but then she went to work and then the, the company decided that they wanted her, everybody to kind of start working from home. She didn't want to, she ended up staying there. They set her up at home. And then the pandemic came and she had to work from home. That lasted about three months because she didn't like working from home for one. Uh, and two, she defeated the purpose. <laughs> she wasn't out of the house anymore. Um, and it really was because of that so that we could uh, do what I do here. I'll pay- meander around the house, do some stuff around the house, and then come do some stuff in the air and have these conversations. And other than that, I'm bugging her all day long. Yep. So you know, it, It's interesting because, you know, so so many of
0: my clients really are financially set. And again, that doesn't mean they have millions of dollars, right? It just means they're financially set. You know, we typically work with people who maybe they have, you know, 500 or $750,000 up to, you know, two, three, five, seven million three, five, $7 million, you know, it, 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 for, and for them, for the most part, it isn't about the money. They typically get to me, you know, a handful of years before retirement, helped make the transition. But one of my most rewarding relationships and conversations actually um, is with people who, where we can make who, who come to us earlier than that. And I, I mentioned that because it's top of mind for me. Because just this morning at ten o'clock, I had a phone call with somebody who's 47. And he says, I'm a firefighter, and I'm going to retire in eight to 10 years. I need to know what I need to do. And he doesn't have lots of money. But like me, when I was 27, he wants to know just what are the questions? What do I need to do My kids are five and 13. And when they're going to college, I may be retiring. How do I deal with all that? How do I protect what I have? How do I make sure my wife is going to be protected in the event that I'm not here? So I love the fact that we can talk to people well in advance of retirement and put them in a place where they'll really succeed. And again, it's not that you have millions of dollars. It's just you put your pla- in yourself in a place to understand what you need to do, have gone through the steps, understand what you need to do with your money and your life, and created the necessary balance to enjoy the journey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the education that you're doing, because you mentioned that you're, you're educating people around, you know, fiscal education, which is has been said for many, many years, it's definitely what's missing in our society. The fiscal education is, uh, lack of fiscal education, quite frankly, is appalling. Uh, and it's the reason why there's so many people that get into so many financial problems and then don't understand how everything else in the, in, in the world works as far as their money money in general is concerned. So how are you paying it forward? What is this education that you're doing? And what are some good news stories coming out of that? So.
0: You know, uh, I have uh, three different topics that we talk in general. One is um, how to manage cash flow and debt. One is out a lot to the corporate world, which is how to reduce stress if you're under 50. And then the the last one is how to reduce stress if you're over 50. But in all three of those, there's two topics that I repeat each and every time. The first is the lesson of, we were talking about contributing to the 401ks and starting early. And I tell the story that if all you do is start at the age of 20 and put in $166 a month, which was the old $2,000 a year for your IRA contribution, and then only contributed for eight years and then never again, and then retire at 67 versus somebody who started at 28 contributed the same $2,000 a year every year until they were 67, they actually have less money than the person who started earlier and only invested for eight years, assuming the same, uh, same return. So that's one of the lessons we talk about starting early. But when you talk about, you know, um, money being a taboo topic, it isn't one of those things, you know, it's sort of almost like you know, politics is today, you can't have that conversation, you'll lose friends and family members. Mm -hmm. Um, Money is one of those that if you ask your parents or your grandparents about it, they just think you're, you know, you're greedy, and you want to get access to their money. And that's not why we're asking the question, we just want to know they're okay. So I I have a, a topic called the intergenerational conversation. And it deals with three different generations, if you will, for me, my mom and when my dad was around, having conversations with them upstream. And then on the other side, having conversations with the younger ki- my kid, because as you said, we do a lousy job of instructing them as they go through elementary, high school, and college. So the real question becomes, how do you even open up this conversation to have the dialogue with let's just call it your grandparents you know so i'm concerned that my mom and or my dad when he was around that they were okay that whatever monies they had you know that they were protecting and preserving and so what i tell people is you have the following conversation this is the way to open the dialogue have mom and dad around now it's on zoom calls rather than around the kitchen table right and you go, and for me, it was when my mom and dad was around. I'd say, "Hey, mom, when dad's not around, do you know where everything is?" And then be quiet, because more often than not, at least for my mom, she'll look around and you know you'll get that uh, furrowed brow and a little sweat coming down, and go, "Gosh, I really don't, you know, you know, I haven't been that involved with the finances. You know, he's been taking care of a lot of that stuff." I really don't know what what the story is. Well, that opens up a conversation where you can just make sure that each of them know where everything is, who's the advisor, who's the accountant, et cetera. You aren't talking directly about money, which is the taboo topic. You're just opening the door to be able to talk about estate planning, the importance of wills and durable powers and healthcare proxies, without looking like that you're greedy. Because really all I'm trying to say is mom, dad, have you set everything up? Is everything okay? As we go down to the other conversation, which is to when my daughter was younger before she had my granddaughter, you know, making sure she was aware of what what money meant to me, what values were important to me. I was never a material guy, okay? And 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 I reference that by saying, when I first started in, in, in business, period my big, big goal was when I was 30 years old, I wanted to be making $30,000. What a tremendous goal that was, you know? So it was never about money for me. It was more about values and life. And those are the the, the types of values I wanted to share with my daughter. But I also wanted to share with her when she was 12 and 14 years old, the power of putting a dollar, $5 away. And we opened up a small mutual fund for her, which you can do now for short, short money, you know, for 200 or 250 bucks, you can open up a mutual fund and share with them what the journey of investing is. I made sure that during the 2008, 2009 time when the markets were going nuts, that she saw that the account could go up and then it could go down and then it could go up again. Now she's aware of what investing is. And this is really important for millennials these days because they've turned into excellent savers, but lousy investors. Um, The market has crashed twice during their early time and it's scared a lot of millennials away. So let's bring them back. Let's show them, let's give them, you know, an education in terms of what the market is and what your expectations should be.
1: Yeah, this is definitely a topic that people... I remember actually in my mid-20s, I started picking up a lot of different books um, on investing and some that were recommended to me. And I'd read through them and learn here and there. And I tried to be self-taught. But until I did like you and actually sat down with somebody who was, that was their profession, who I've known for years now, um, you know, I found out I just, this is just me personally. I didn't need to know all the specifics about it. I just, here's the, here's the one thing I wanted to get back to in that the ability to find somebody that you can trust to manage your money or to advise you on managing your money, because we've all heard the stories. It's just the same with insurance. Insurance is one of those things to me that I just, I can't stand it. I've been burned too many times through <coughs> insurance and it's just, it's just annoying, but it's one of those necessary things you have to have. It's one of those things I feel as a man of abundance that like, for instance, somebody in my position who has everything in place, I have income for life, I don't have to worry about that. But if something happens to me, what's that going to do for my 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 family, my wife and my the one boy that we still have home? Well, insurance. That's what helps me sleep at night and helps me drive down the street without, you know, little fear. I don't go crazy or anything, but <laughs> you get the point. But the point is, you know, getting finding somebody that you can trust. And, and helping you and educating you enough and then being able to hand over my money and invest into something.
0: you know you, you bring up a good point because you know if if you were a prospective client and you called me up and you wanted to know what I did and how I did it and whether or not it would benefit you, I, I can't just open the door and you trust me. okay It doesn't work that way it takes time but the burden, be honest with you, and it's something that a lot of people don't do, you have to do your homework as well. You have to be accountable as well. You have to spend the time. And one of the things that we do with our clients is, of course, I'm accountable for everything that I do, but I make sure my clients are accountable too. Uh, you know, if you go to the doctor and you do not reveal certain things that you feel or that are happening to them, you can't get the proper prescription. We expect the same thing within our business. I am going to fully disclose what I'm thinking, how I'm thinking about it, how it's going to impact you, what the pluses and minuses are for you. You know, If you go this way, this will happen. If you go this way, this will happen. And you as an adult have to make an informed decision. But I can't give you all of that if you don't give me all from you as well. And it starts with, and it was one of the chapters in my first book, um, which was a whole chapter designated just to how to interview for a financial planner. Because there's so many of us out there, so many shapes and sizes and colors Mm -hmm. And, and different angles, you know. So you really have to do your homework, go in with the right questions, make sure that if you're having a heart issue, you're not going to a podiatrist, right? You, you really need to make sure that it's the proper fit, proper chemistry, you understand what the person is doing, how they do it, how they get paid, and then make sure that, you know, you're on board completely, they're on board completely. Unfortunately, we never read the headline that plane lands safely. We only see the headlines where things go wrong. And unfortunately, not just in our industry, but every industry, you know, we see those 1% of the people or whatever the number is that create the headlines that destroy it for the rest of us that are doing good and doing right. So you need to do your homework to end up with with, with the right type of person Um, And, you know, again, that goes on my side as well. I have to make sure I vet the people I'm talking to, to make sure that I can add the value and I'm going to enjoy the journey as much as they think they're gonna get rewarded for the relationship as well.
1: Very good point, very well put. I greatly appreciate that answer and I like that answer. Um, So now we're at the point where we're gonna pay it forward uh, with some real quick questions. Ready to do that, Mark? Sure am. Absolutely. Is this the lightning round? This is the lightning round, so to speak. I trust you're getting a lot out of this conversation so far and there's so much more to come. I just want to take this short break to let you know that I am searching for some true abundant leaders with a business mindset. If you happen to be in the process or even considering a career change or you're in a transition right now and many people are at this point, then I want to introduce you to something that may be your next career. Here's the deal, many business owners have needlessly struggled for many years, not just over the last couple of years. And now, with everything going on, they're struggling even more. The fact is, most business owners are brilliant at what they do as a technician, a chiropractor, a dentist, an attorney, Uh, dog walker, uh, auto detailer. They're brilliant at what they do and they decided, well, I'm going to start a business around this. What most business owners fail to realize is that business ownership is a completely different skill set and a completely different mindset from whatever it is they do within their business. And they lack that training, which is the reason why they struggle so much needlessly. As business and marketing strategists, our team has been doing everything that we can to help these business owners, but we can't do it all. There are way more business owners in need than there are business strategists on our team at this point, even with over 800 business strategists in 24 countries. This is where you come in. If you are in transition or you're looking for a career change, go to apbusinessmastery.com apbusinessmastery.com. I have a short video there for you that explains a little bit more of what I'm talking about so that you can explore the exciting possibilities of you being a business strategist and giving back to your community. The way I see it, when I help a business owner improve their business, I'm not just helping that business owner and their family. I'm potentially helping their employees and their families. I'm potentially giving back to that community in a much bigger way. Sometimes I'm even saving marriages and saving lives by saving a business. It really is that serious. On top of that, Being a business strategist allows me to live the lifestyle that I want to live, and I can do this as long as I like. We've got one business strategist on our team that is 92 years old, and he's still out there helping business owners. So go to APBusinessMastery.com and see if you have what it takes. Now, let's get back to the conversation.
0: I think that the very first thing you have to do is step back and do some planning we tend to just go around, go through life and just keep going and at some point we'll get somewhere. It's sort of like the Alice in Wonderland story. If you, only, if you go far enough, you'll find yourself being somewhere, but is it really where you got, you've felt like you wanted to be and take control of where you wanna be? You'll always end up somewhere. The planning is really, really the key. And I, I don't mean just in the financial arena, in your relationship, in your business. You know, if you're playing golf, you know, whatever it is, I think that you have to step back, figure out what your priorities are and, and how to, again, you know, it's, it's, there's a big thing out there that we have to accomplish. Do it little by little, one bite at a time and you'll get there. I think the other thing is having patience, which I don't have a lot of. Um, I found as I get older and older, I find I have more, maybe that's just because I forget more and more where I'm going. Um, but I think that you have the planning, then you have to have the patience to allow for that plan to go through. I think some of the great mistakes I've made with my clients that I've had to learn from is we made great decisions, maybe with a particular fund, let's say, and we did the due diligence and the education for it. But then I gave up on it. And then we moved somewhere else and we shouldn't have. That happened years ago. And I, hopefully I don't do that again. I'm sure I'll make other mistakes but that's not one of the mistakes we make now, I don't believe, because we've learned to have a little bit more patience and trust that we're doing the right thing. So I think the the planning, the patience, and the trust is another thing. Trust in yourself. Have the self-esteem, the awareness, the courage to do what it is that you need to do. And you know, if I can offer to to your listeners, you know, one way to figure this out within our industry. Um, I mentioned the book that I had put together um, that, that took me two weeks to write, but 32 years to prepare. Um, we, we actually created from there and formalized the seven step process that we were doing. And we put together a quiz because I don't, I, I think that what I've learned over time is that when I speak, I don't wanna just impart knowledge, I wanna compel you to action because if all we do is just give you education and you do nothing with it, it was was useless for both you and for me. So if we can help you to move to action and compel you and get you more information and more clarity, then we're okay. So we created a, a three minute quiz, it's 15 questions. Once you get through those questions, we actually score your answers and you will find out where you are with regards to your retirement preparedness. And then we'll give you some, uh, we actually like the fact, again, I love to give value. If you finish the quiz, we'll give you the first chapter of the book, right? Uh, But even more importantly, in the first chapter of the book are a couple of worksheets that will help you to get more control of and more clarity of the whole retirement process.
1: Excellent, that sounds awesome.
0: And I, you know, if if your if your listeners are interested, they can go to because we just literally completed the landing page just recently, so it's top of mind. Um, you can go to retirenowquiz.com. That's retirenowquiz.com. You will get a one-minute video of me and talking you through it. Take you two to three minutes to finish the quiz, and then you'll get your bonuses and get some more clarity.
1: That's a heck of a URL that you were able to grab there. (laughs) Thank you, Daddy. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. You would think something like that was already taken, but good for you. Excellent. So what do you feel holds most people back from living their life of true abundance?
0: I think that a lot of people, again, don't trust themselves a lot. I, I think we sit here in fear of what might happen, what we might lose. It, and I think that, again, the planning, again, not just from a financial planning perspective, but from life as well. If you set what your goals are, what your values are, what your mission statement is, and you stand for it, you don't have to appeal to everybody. You have to first you know, be true within yourself and be able to live within your own skin. And I think that as we all, that's easier as you get older, right? You, you mature, you, you go through life, you go through journeys, you, you fail a lot. You find out what you don't want, you find out what you do want. And I know that, and, and I, I told this to my daughter and I've told her, all the time, when she, I said to her, when she was in her twenties, she's gonna, she's gonna struggle. And I told her now that she's in her thirties, you're gonna struggle more. And then when you get to your 40s, you may struggle even more. But by the time you're in your 50s, you'll have gone through so much that you'll figure out really what the vision of who you are and what you want to be and how you want to hold yourself out in life. And when you do that, you find strength. And when you have that strength, you can do what you want to do, and you'll find a much more rewarding and fulfilling life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. So what does being a man of abundance mean to you, Mark?
0: I get so much fulfillment and joy now that I've come to be comfortable in my own skin and where I am and what my journey has been and what my future looks like. I get so much reward and fulfillment just from helping others. Um, you know, top of my list, my six year old granddaughter. There is nothing better in life, period. If my daughter listens to this, I'm sorry, kid she's more important than you are now. Okay. (laughs) Um, It's just so much fun to see that you can give so much and just unconditionally and see how someone can grow with that information, knowledge, wisdom, value, um, and how much it comes back to me to just see her grow, to see my kid who's now in her thirties grow and learn and how she's failed and picked herself back up and and done things. And now that you know, I'm in a place where abundance, if you will, I feel financially secure, I feel comfortable with who I am. It gives me the freedom and the flexibility to do more giving back in terms of the education. It's not about me anymore. It's about you or the people I'm talking to. And as they all say, the more you give, the more you get back in return.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm finding that. And, and it's, a, it's a joyous place to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely, totally, definitely. That is a fact, and that's been I'm living proof of that myself personally. So, and that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, especially with your six-year-old grandchild. I totally get that, <laughs> man. So, we're gonna close this up, but before we do, one, what did we not talk about that um, you want to make sure that our we get out of our conversation today? And we'll definitely have retirenowquiz.com linked up in the show notes. If there's any other way that uh, listeners can get a hold of you, please share that. Otherwise, you know, that'll be fun.
0: Yeah, I think the retire now quiz is, is the action item. Um, we, we, I guess I had too much time on my hands this past year where I wrote the fourth book and then also blew up and built a brand new website. And I think on the website, which is 55retire.com, the number 55 retire. By the way, I'll tell you a little history behind that. I was 30 years old when I created 55 Retire, thinking I would be retiring at age 55. And now that I've blown past that age, my friends are all telling me I must have not been successful in what I was doing. And I say, no, I enjoy it more than ever now. And the reason I'm still doing it is because I love it. Um, But 55 Retire, I'll give you a whole bunch of videos and stuff, but I, I really think the real key and the number one mistake people make is if they just don't take control of their own affairs let life continue to go on, not, not you know, putting their heads in the sand and hoping things will go away. And the planning will help to at least give you a vision of what some of the questions might be, what you didn't know that you didn't even know, and put you on track, whether it's financially, personally, cash flow wise, whatever it is, do the planning, step back, take control of your own lives. And I think it will, it, you, you will pay yourself many, many times over.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that. Great words of uh, great, great advice. Great words of wisdom, and um, something to move forward with, guys. Pay attention to that. Marcus, excellent conversation. I greatly appreciate it. I learned a lot. Um, and I just enjoyed the conversation in general, and especially visualizing you uh, bringing up that young six-year-old. I greatly appreciate that too, we need that. Uh, so go out, live your life of abundance, keep paying it forward like you are, you're making a huge impact and I greatly appreciate it.
0: Well, thanks for the opportunity, and um, I hope your listeners got at least one good thing out of this.
1: I'm sure they got more than that. All right, men of abundance, that's what we have for you today. I trust you got a lot out of that conversation. Your action step for today is to get connected with Mark or another financial professional, somebody that you can trust and is reputable, and start this conversation if you haven't done so already. And even if you have, it may be time for you to reevaluate your situation because it does change throughout the course of your life. Now, go out, live your life of abundance, and be sure to pay it forward.